0: Let's turn in our Bibles to Romans chapter 5. We'll be in Romans 5, verses 15 through 17 today. And if you don't have a Bible, get one of the black Bibles on the end of each pew. It's on page 942 in that Bible. And if you don't have a Bible for yourself at all, then just take that one. It's our gift to you. We're going to read together. Uh, The passage is verses 15 through 17, but I'm going to start reading at verse 12, just so we can kind of remember what we're talking about here as we go through Romans 5. It says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread from, uh, to all men because all sinned. For sin was indeed in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Then we come to today's passage, verse 15. much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I don't know if you've ever heard of a philosophical concept called dualism. Some of you might know it very well. Some of you, maybe that's the first time you've ever heard that word, but you've probably encountered it before, come across it, maybe even been influenced by it in ways that you don't know. What dualism is, dualism is the idea that in the universe that there is good and that there is evil and that they're balanced. This idea maybe there's a good God on the one side and then an evil God on the other side and they're kind of in conflict and who knows who's going to win in the end. This is almost if you were going to try to take dualism and apply it into Christian theology, you might think that God and Satan are kind of well-matched that You've got God on the one side and then Satan who's, who's like the evil God on the other side and, and boy, they're, they're just really duking it out and, and it's a, a nail-biter who's going to win in the end. You know, like, well, the Bible says God's going to win, but how? You know, Satan's so powerful. Well, that is not how it is. Satan is not the yin to God's yang, all right? Satan is little bitty compared to God. He's very big compared to you but he's a little bitty compared to God. In fact, Satan is a created being who is finite. God is the creator who's infinite and eternal and unchangeable. He is God. There is no chance that sin is going to win. And it's not just Satan. Think of all the evil that exists. It's, there's Satan on the one, one hand, but with Satan there is all of his legion of evil angels that are called demons. And they are real. And they love to wreak havoc of all kinds. There's a lot of them. And you know what? Even apart from them, there's plenty of evil besides that. Flowing out of every human heart by nature. By nature. You sometimes think to yourself, well, I need if I did something, it's Satan's fault. He tempted me. Well, the Bible says sometimes he tempts you. Sometimes it just flows right out of your own heart. You don't need any temptation from anybody else at all. There's lots and lots of evil in the world. And there's lots of consequences of evil. There's terrible things that happen. But I want to tell you this. God is so much bigger. God is so much bigger. God's goodness is bigger than all the evil that ever has or ever does or ever will exist in all places of all times to where it's not even comparable. And what we're going to see in this passage is that God's grace and the life that God gives by his grace is much bigger than our sin, our evil, and the punishment that our sin had earned for ourselves. Where we are in Romans is we're in the middle of a section of Romans that started at Romans 5.1 and is going to go all the way to the end of, of Romans chapter 8. This section is about having assurance of our salvation through faith in Jesus that those of us who are in Christ, now that we have faith, we've been justified by faith, and we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're going to be assured all the way to the end of this section that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is giving us incredible assurance. Even though we were born sinners, even though we were born united to Adam, even though we were born in the middle of a human race that universally dies because it's universally sinful, the grace in the life that we have in Jesus is so much bigger than the evil and the sin and the death that we've experienced and earned for ourselves before that. So that's where we are. This is the point. God's grace is much bigger than our sin. Look, first of all, at verse 15. And we're going to see, if you're following along in the back of your bulletin, there's three points. That's what a good Baptist preacher is supposed to have, three points. All right? The first point is this. The gift of grace is bigger than the wages of sin. The gift of grace is bigger than the wages of sin. Look at those opening words in verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. This is going to be the big point here. On the one side, you have the free gift and all that's involved in that. On the other side, you have the trespass and all that's involved in that. The trespass, if you were around last week, you know what we're talking about. If you weren't around last week, I'll fill you in a little bit. This was what was talked about in verses 12 through 14. Sin came into the world through one man, Adam's sin, that in Adam... All of us are sinful. The whole human race is counted as sinful. Has the the sin of Adam imputed to us, has inherited a sinful nature, actually are evil by nature, not neutral, not good, but evil by nature, deserving of death, such that even when a baby dies, that that baby has to have the redeeming work of Jesus applied to it if we have the hope of heaven that the Bible would give us about those situations. All of us must be saved from our sin. We must be saved from our sin or we're lost in our sin. You're not born neutral. You're not born to where you can pick one side or the other. You were born on the side of Adam. You're born on the side of sin. You're born on the side of death. That's what it's talking about when it says the trespass. But here it says the free gift is not like the trespass. What's it talking about when it says the free gift? Well, there's all kinds of ink that's been spilt about that question. What is the free gift that he's talking about in verse 15? There's a question, is he talking about a different free gift in verse 15 than he is in verse 17 when he says the free gift of righteousness? Well, I, I think what he's doing here is I think he's, he's talking about just the whole free gift of salvation that we get in Jesus. The reason I think that is cuz he comes back to that concept in Romans 6 verse 23. You might want to just flip over a page right there just like I did in my Bible. Romans 6:23 says, "The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord." Eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Since he said in Romans 6:23, here's what the free gift is. That's what we're going to take it as today. The free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord is not like the trespass of Adam, the sin, the death that it could bring. He's saying there is a big difference between these two. Now you'd say to yourself, that's obvious. Why did he even bother saying that? Who would think that the trespass of Adam, sin and death on one side, who would think that that's the same thing as eternal life in Christ? Well, what he's getting at here is not just that they're opposites. They're not sort of just like yin and yang dualism things where you have the bad thing on the one hand and then the good thing on the other hand that balances it out so that you get back to a zero balance on your accounting sheet. No, he's saying they are not the same because one of these is much, much, much bigger than the other one. Guess which one is bigger? Eternal life, the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord is much bigger. The free gift of God's grace is much, much bigger than the wages of our sin, which is death. You see here where he says, the free gift is not like the trespass. He goes on to explain that a little bit. For he says, if many died through the one man's trespass... So he's saying, on the one hand, there's death that comes from sin. As he put it in Romans 6.23 that we read just a second ago, the wages of sin is death. Death. That's serious. Death is serious. Death is the end of all that there is in this life. For those who aren't in Christ, death is just the beginning of death, where there is eternal punishment, conscious torment in hell that is the right punishment from God. For any and every sin, there is death in the one man's trespass, but it's not like the free gift. He says, on the other hand, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by that grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many, abounded for many. You've got, on the one hand, death, and on the other side, the free gift that's much greater, the free gift of eternal life. You've got, on the one hand, the trespass, The sin against the holy God. It's eternally serious. But he says, on the other hand, you have the grace of God and the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. Much bigger. God's grace is much bigger than our sin. i got to say, what is grace? When we say grace, sometimes people mean, uh, okay, grace is that prayer that you say right before a meal. That's one of the ways we use the word grace sometimes, right? Or grace is, uh, you know, grace is my friend down the street. Or there's grace. There she is, right? Well, what's grace in the Bible? I've heard this definition before, G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. That's a pretty good definition. It's God's unmerited favor. Mercy is when you don't get what you do deserve. When you deserve punishment and you're not punished, that's mercy. Grace is when you get the good things that you don't deserve. When you get the free gift that you haven't earned, that's grace. And the grace that God gives is much bigger than the penalty that our trespasses, that our sins earned us. On the one hand, too, in verse 15, you have the one man Jesus Christ as opposed to that one man's trespass. one man, Adam. He's going to say later, in Adam all die. But in the one man, Jesus, there is grace that abounds much, much more. It's really significant that you're descended from Adam. He's our grandpa for all of us, our first father. All of us sinned in Adam, all of us die in Adam. But Jesus is much bigger. Jesus is not just some newly created man Jesus is the God-man. Jesus is the one who can take all of our sins on the cross, put them away forever, rise from the dead, and give us the free gift of eternal life. Jesus is God. Jesus is holy. Jesus is worthy. Jesus is not just fire insurance. Jesus is Lord. Guys, he's not like the one-man Adam. He is so much bigger, so much abounding so much abounding you know what you can do though you can try to think to yourself well okay i've got the trespass on the one side i've got my sins and then i've got god's grace and uh you know what well i've I've sinned against god and so what am i going to do i'm going to be better this is the way that the world thinks this is the way that you and i thought before we came to faith in christ maybe it's the way that believer that you're still tempted to think sometimes is okay, I did something against God and so now I'm going to make it up to God by being better. Well, you can't do that. I I heard a podcast a while back about this lady who, uh, she she answered an ad to become a long-haul trucker because it promised all kinds of, of payment that this would be, um, you know, would just really, really help out her family to make all of this money. And so she, she answered the ad. She signed up with the company. She did everything that the company offered her, which included this opportunity to own her own rig. And she, she drove cross-country once, twice, three times, got to the point where her first paycheck was coming, looked to see, what did I get? And you know what? It was a negative number. She got less than zero. She owed money. That company had not been very honest with her. And you could say, well, she, she, uh, she shouldn't have signed up for that truck. She shouldn't have signed up to pay for that. She, she, shouldn't have, uh, you know, she should have read the fine print, all that kind of stuff. That's not the point. The point here is when you see somebody doing all of this work and then still owing something, that's us. When we think, I can do work for God to make it up for him, you are never going to find yourself made up for what you've done. The Bible gives you on the one side wages and on the other side free gift. And if you're working for wages from God, it says in Romans 6.23, and yeah, I'm going to preach on it again when we get there, but I'm preaching on it now anyway. Romans 6.23 says, The wages that you can earn is the wages of sin, which is death. That's all we can get for what we could earn, for what we could do for God. What we need to do instead is we need to receive the free gift that God gives. Not something that we could do for God, but what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. The only wage that you can earn in Adam, in your natural state from birth, is the wage of sin, which is death. But if God would make you born again to receive the free gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ then he gives us that free gift. Not a wage, but a free gift. Mm. Second thing we wanted to see together is that the verdict of grace is bigger than the guilt of sin. Look at verse 16. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. He's saying it again. He said it at the beginning of verse 15. He's saying it again. He's saying these two things are not even. They're not even. It's not a dualistic thing. Good is 50%, evil is 50%, so we'll put them together for a zero. No, no, they are not like each other. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. And let's look at his explanation for this. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. See, one sin, one singular sin was sufficient for all humanity to stand guilty before God. But... The free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Mm. So there was one sin that was sufficient for everybody to stand guilty, but there's one gift that's bigger and enough to wash away all our sins and to make us right with God. He puts these words together, these words that match up each other, the way that he's, he's giving us verse 16. On the one hand, you have the judgment And on the other hand, you have the free gift. There's, on the one hand, the judgment for something that you've done. That's what we have before we come to faith in Christ, judgment. But on the other hand, there's the free gift. It's not related to what we've done. You don't go to your kids and say, you better pay me back for my Christmas presents. No. No, you don't do that. It's a free gift. And then on the one hand, you have the, the one trespass that Adam did versus every trespass, every sin that you and I will ever do. You see that? The judgment following one trespass, and then there's the free gift following many trespasses. Here's the thing that Jesus did. When Jesus went to the cross and died, Jesus fully took, fully bore all the sins of everyone who would ever be his people. All of them. Past sins, present sins, future sins. He took them all. Do you need to be forgiven for the original sin that Adam committed? Yes. Do you need to be forgiven for your state of being sinful from birth? Having a sin nature? Yes, you need to be forgiven. And you also need to be forgiven for every sin that you've ever committed. You need to be forgiven for every sin that you have ever done in your body, with your flesh. You need to be forgiven for every sin that has ever come out of your mouth, from your tongue. You need to be forgiven for every sin that has ever happened in the secret places of your mind. Every bit of it, but believer believer in Jesus Christ and those of you who will come to Christ Jesus took every one of those that's what he's getting at here when he says that the free gift is not like the trespasser is not like the result of that one man's sin this is part of it you've got the one trespass that brought death for all mankind eternally deadly serious but then you have on the other hand what Jesus can do following many trespasses many trespasses What does he do with those sins? Well, on the one hand, you have condemnation following the one sin. The judgment, the verdict of guilty. But in Jesus, with the free gift of eternal life, we have justification. Justification is where we stand before God in a status of righteousness. In our court system in America... There's two possible verdicts when somebody is tried criminally. Well, I mean, technically, if you're a lawyer, you might be able to come up with others, but here's the ones, here here they are. You got guilty or not guilty, okay? There is no verdict in our court system of innocent, and there is definitely not a verdict in our court system of righteous. When somebody is tried for a crime and they're declared not guilty, The court is not saying, he's a great guy. (laughs) They're just saying, we haven't found sufficient evidence to say that he committed that particular crime. When we come to God, we were in a status of being guilty. Being guilty from birth and by every sin that we've committed. Actual guilt, condemnation before God. But when we come to Christ, we're not just taken from guilty to not guilty, we are taken from condemned to, to righteous in God's sight. Not condemnation, but justification. Whose righteousness is it? Where does it come from? It's Jesus' righteousness. We were born clothed in Adam's sin. And when you come to Jesus and you're born again, you are clothed in Jesus' righteousness. Mm. He takes our sin. He gives us his righteousness. It's a perfect exchange. That's why he died on the cross. That's why he rose from the dead, is to give us this eternal life, a free gift. Believer, you need to have, let me put it this way. You come to Christ. You've got a record. Some of, some of us, we, we know that, that feeling, that burden on your mind. I have a record, whether it's a criminal record or something else. When you come to Christ, it's wiped clean. And it's replaced with Jesus's record, righteousness. You come and and you, you have a debt. Some of us know what it's like to be in debt, sometimes even crushing debt. You come to Christ, your debt is paid. And it's not just that your debt is paid, I'm not talking about your money debt. I'm not talking come to Jesus to get rich. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about your sin debt to God. Your debt is paid by Jesus. And not just paid, but all of a sudden your bank account is full. It's full of the righteousness of Jesus. So, believer, believer in Jesus, one thing that you can do when you see this on the one hand, one sin, on the other hand, many sins. On the one hand, condemnation. On the other hand, justification. Don't get bogged down in your old sins. Don't get bogged down in them. No matter how many they are, no matter how big they are, you can leave them behind, and you can walk in righteousness. You can walk in freedom in Christ. There's, there's two main ways to get bogged down in your old sins, and one is to hold on to them whether, whether it's to say, well, you know, I'm going to leave the door open for that, or to hold on to it in the sense of to say, well, I, you know what, I'm going to try to pretend like it wasn't really sin. Instead of confessing my sin, being forgiven and cleansed of all righteousness, I, I'm going to kind of keep it in the dark and just come up with reasons why it it's doesn't really need to come into the light. Well, no, the Bible says this, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So don't get bogged down by failure to confess your sins and be cleansed. And also, don't get bogged down just by worrying about forgiven sins. You can say to yourself, but my sins are so many. What I have done is just so much. Guys, there's good news in verse 16. One trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. That, those words, many trespasses, that includes absolutely everything that you thought you could never be forgiven for. Many trespasses. Bring it to Jesus. Bring it to Jesus. Mm. Here's what Philippians three thirteen and 14 says. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Leave those sins with Jesus and press forward. Thirdly, the abundant life of grace is bigger than the death sentence of sin. One way you can think about these verses, and there's just one way you can think about these verses, is that verse 15 gives you the charges Verse 16 gives you the verdict, and verse 17 gives you the sentence. Well, what's the sentence of of sin? Well, the sentence of sin is death. What's the sentence for those who are in Christ, though? It's life. Are they equivalent? Absolutely not. The life that we have in the abundance of God's grace is much, much bigger than the death sentence of sin. Look at verse Uh, Look at verse 17. It says, if because of one man's trespass, all right, so one man, death reigned through that one man. And then look at those words that are right there, much more. Do you see those words, much more? He, He said those words before also, back in verse 16, much more. That, that grace of God and the free gift of grace that, that came through one man abounded for many. And he's saying it again. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You've got these parallels again. On the one side, you've got the one man's trespass. We talked about that, and he's repeating it. The death that comes through sin even through just the sin of Adam. The one man's trespass. What does it bring? Death. Death reigned. That's pretty serious to say. If you came in here and you said, death reigns in this place, people would say, you're weird. But you'd say, also, what an incredible insult to say death is reigning. But, but that's the reality of the world. You, you, you drive past cemeteries every day. Death is reigning. But here's what happens for those who receive the free gift of righteousness. They reign in life. The way Jesus put it is that whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Will never taste death. How does it come? Well, the the one man's trespass, death reigned through through that one man. But on the other hand, we have this reigning in life through the one man's Jesus Christ. So Adam's trespass is eternally, hellishly serious, but Jesus' free gift of righteousness is much more than that sin. Those who are in Adam have death reigning over them for all eternity. But when we come to Christ, we have life reigning much more. Much more life than even the death that is eternal punishment. When it says here about sin and death coming through that one man, we, we know that it came through Adam, but righteousness and life come much more through the one man, Jesus Christ. I wonder, have you ever thought about this? Christian, have you ever wondered, what would it be like if Adam and Eve never sinned in the garden? I've wondered that before. What would it have been like? Well, they, they never would have died. Right? They could have eaten from the tree of life and lived forever. They, they could have carried out perfectly the commands that God had given about working and keeping the garden, probably would have expanded the garden across the whole world. They would have been fruitful and multiplied. There would have been more and more people born into this garden and born into this, this status of living forever and serving God. There would have been no hatred among people or toward God. There would have been only love between people, only love toward God. We would have been in this place that's beautiful, where there is no death or pain or dying or or animals ripping each other apart. There would have been so much that's different. And we'd say to ourselves, boy, I wish Adam had never sinned. Do you know what verse 17 says? Verse 17 says, believer, you are better off than that. You are much better off than that. Having gone through the plan that God has for the world in the mysteries of his knowledge and wisdom and righteousness, his unsearchable wisdom, God has made a place for us and a life for us and a status for us that is much, much better than if Adam had never sinned. The death, think about it this way. The Garden of Eden, you say, well, we lost all that, and we had sin and death because we lost all that. Jesus doesn't just take us back to the status of zero. He doesn't just undo it and put us in the garden. It says that his grace abounds much, much more. Death reigned through that one man, but much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. You say to yourself, okay, well, that sounds like when we float off to heaven one day that that's going to be pretty good. Absolutely. Unspeakably good. And that is so much more important than the things in this life because it's eternal. And you need to set your minds on the things that are eternal. And I want to tell you, too, that that abundance of life begins here. It's not just something that you're waiting for, for floating off to heaven, although it's going to be pretty awesome then, pretty awesome when Jesus raises the dead, establishes the new heaven and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, and we have our souls and our bodies put back together and we reign in life for him, with him forever and ever. That, that, that's going to be unspeakably good and unspeakably better than the Garden of Eden. But that life that he gives us begins now. It says in John 10.10, this is Jesus speaking, uh, being quoted, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's talking about an abundantly because it's not just like undoing what the thief did. It's not just undoing the stealing and killing and destroying. It is abundant life that's much bigger than the evil. That abundant life says, in John 17:3, it starts now. It says, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. You have abundant life from the moment that you come to know God through Jesus Christ. I- imagine that you get yourself into a fender bender, all right? And you have insurance that you got down at the began agency. He didn't pay me to say that. And they do a good job, and so you, you submit your claim, and the insurance company comes back. Well, what, what's the job of the insurance company? The job of the insurance company is to make you whole from, from what was lost, perhaps with a deductible, something like that, depending on how much you're paying and all those kinds of factors, right? But if you get a fender bender, will you expect that on the other side of that insurance claim and all the work that's done, your, your car is going to be back to the way that it was before, or maybe if it was more messed up, then, then they would give you a comparable car so that, so that you're made whole. Well, what, what if you got into a fender bender and you went and you made that claim and then the insurance company came back and they said, well, here's what we're going to do for you. We're going to fix your car and we're going to give you a dozen Rolls Royces to use for business and we're going to give you a dozen Lamborghinis to use for fun and we're going to give you a summer home in the Swiss Alps and a sack full of diamonds, and we're going to make you the emperor of Singapore. You say, That's, that doesn't really seem fair, but okay, right? What we have in Jesus is much, much greater than that. Jesus doesn't just make us whole from our sins. He gives us abundance of life in his grace for all eternity that's beyond what you can even know. We are so much better off in Jesus. So much better off. Now if you say, well does this really start here? You know, because I, I, don't, see, I don't see very many Christians who are going around uh, just, just filthy rich and I see a lot of Christians who are going through hard things and well how, how can this be abundance of life? Well I, I, I want to tell you this. You can find it in this room. You can go. There are people in this room that you can go and talk to who not only know Jesus, but they treasure Jesus. And, and they go to Jesus. They are devoted to Jesus in private, in worshiping him, in scripture reading, and in prayer, and in praise, even in their private life, in their prayer closet when nobody's looking They're devoted to Jesus in private. They are serving the Lord and serving people in public because they're devoted to Jesus. And I guarantee you, you ask somebody who's in that situation, do you have abundant life in Jesus right now or not? There's no question they do. They know exactly what this is about. Maybe they're going through incredible hardship and difficulty and disease right now, but they know exactly what it means to have abundant life in Jesus right now. If you've come to Christ, you have abundant life in Christ and go to Christ and treasure Christ and trust that this is true. You have abundant life by His grace right now. Don't put your hope in what you can do, in your abilities. Don't put your hope in the world, in the things that this world could give you, the the love of the world. You can't do that and the love of God at the same time. What we need to do is we need to treasure Christ. We need to believe this truth. So we look and see what is the key here. What's the difference between sin and death on one side and, 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 uh, and, and life and grace on the other side? Well, the key is the person of Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to. Are you united to Adam or are you united to Christ? It's Jesus, the God-man. Know him, trust in him, treasure him. Know God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent, and you have eternal life An abundance of life that begins now and is only going to get better for all eternity. One of the things we can do here too, if we've been given this abundance of grace, think about what we deserved on the one side, the wages of sin, and what we get on the other side, the free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus. One of the things you can do with that is be gracious to people. God's been really, really gracious to us. God has not looked at me and decided to take a tit for tat, I'm going to get you for everything that I have in my book on you attitude. I'd be doomed from the start if that's the way that my relationship with God were going to work. But he's been gracious to me in Jesus. Jesus has given himself up for me and for you if your faith is in Jesus. And we can then turn and be gracious to people, not, not taking this kind of a, an attitude of I'm going to keep a record of wrongs, which love does not do. But instead, I'm going to try to see how I can treat people the way that God has treated me to show love and grace to others. But who is it that this life comes to? Who is it that receives this grace that has eternal life, that has not just a zero record where your sins have been wiped out, but fullness of righteousness in Jesus? Who is that? Well, it says in verse 17, it says this, it's for those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. He's not talking about everybody here. Who who, who is it that this life comes to? Well, if you only had verse 17, or excuse me, if you only had verse 15, then you might think that this passage is universalist. Universalism is the doctrine that says that God saves everybody, that Jesus' blood was shed for everybody, and that therefore God would save everybody for all eternity. If all we had was verse 15, then we might think that, because it says, many died through one man's trespass, and grace abounded for many. So is that the same many? Well, verse 17 makes it clear, no, that's not the same many. The people who receive eternal life, it says, are those who receive the abundance of grace, who receive the free gift you need to receive the free gift of eternal life that is held out and offered to you by Jesus. Now, some of you would say, but this church, in this church, we know full well that God is the one who chooses who to save from eternity past, and that, that man on his own would never decide to repent and believe, would never receive that grace. And you're exactly Right? we would, none of us, ever receive the free gift of eternal life if it weren't for the grace that God gives us to make us born again. But that's not the point of this passage. The point of this passage is it's held out as a free gift to be received. It is, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus Jesus stood in front of these multitudes of people, mixed crowds, where he knew every heart. He knew who trusted in him, Who knew he knew who didn't trust in him, he knew who in that crowd God had chosen from before the foundation of the world, who the Father had given to him, who would come to him, as he says in John six thirty seven: All that the Father gives to me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And he knew everyone who that would be. And to that great mixed multitude, do you know what he said? Come to me. Come to me. All you who are weak and heavy laden, I will give you rest. He made the free offer of the gospel. To everybody. We should do that too. But it's those who receive the free gift of eternal life. Those who come to Jesus. Those are the ones who have it. Who have the free gift. Who, are, who stand righteous before God. Who have grace for all eternity. Here is, it says in, in John 1.12, To all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So I just want to end with this, this from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. This is what Moses said as he was about to die. He said to the people, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse, therefore choose life. And that life is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you that Jesus has come and by his blood, has purchased for your people forgiveness and not just forgiveness but grace and abundance of life for all eternity. Lord, the mysteries that are here about how this could be, how you could take us through sin and the fall and death and all kinds of evil throughout the whole world and bring us out on the other side better off with a fuller abundance of life than even the Garden of Eden. These are just massive things that are contained in your will, in your goodness, your unsearchable greatness. But I pray that by your grace, that if there's those who haven't received this free gift of eternal life, I pray that you would, Lord, show them the free offer of the gospel, turn their hearts away from their stubborn wills to stay in sin, God, give them hearts of flesh so that they, with new Holy Spirit-given hearts, would receive the free gift of eternal life. And I pray for us who are in Christ. I just thank you for the blessing of being in Jesus and of having brothers and sisters in Jesus as we experience this abundance of life together. I pray that you would help us to treasure Jesus, to walk in that life, to love you and to love each other. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.